0: This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: We understand many of our listeners may not agree with all of our viewpoints. However, we hope you can bear with us in order to hear unadulterated true crime cases.
0: We are not licensed therapists, nor are we able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source material included for each episode.
1: Now Now let's get get weird. weird.
0: Welcome back to another episode of All the Sins Worldwide with Jess and Mims. And this week we have Mims discussing a case with us that I have not heard of yet, at least because I don't know what it is. (laughs) So we have her talking about a case with us today. So uh, Mims, it's all you.
1: Alrighty. Yeah, I I like the element of surprise. So I'm definitely... uh, (laughs) Not revealing it until the actual episode. So for all those who are wondering if we know what is going to be on the episode beforehand, we don't. We just surprise each other. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) So this case is notoriously called The Woman Under the Pine Tree. Oh. And I got my sources from the Journal Times, DNA Solves, TMJ4, and Racine County I.
0: Oh, we're all back to Racine County.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So, (laughs) like I mentioned last week, um, this is also going to be a Wisconsin case. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, Jess did a really good job covering three cases all in one episode, so make sure to go check that out. But for Mm -hmm. this one, this took place February 24th 2000 so almost 24 years ago on the front yard of 1132 Lake Avenue Racine Wisconsin and 37 year old mother of three Linda Fields was found laying under a pine tree and was found deceased by a person walking their dog oh jeez Police said that they are not sure the scene was the actual site of the murder or how long she had been there before she was discovered. It wasn't quite clear. Her Mm -hmm. cause of death was clearly not natural and was ruled as death by strangulation. Oh, no. So let's talk about her as a person because oftentimes we think about the actual murder, the the rapist, the the person that did the crime. But we we don't want to glaze over the actual victim, the, survi- the survivor, or the person that it was all about in the first place. So let's talk yep. about Linda. She was fondly called Sweet Pea by uh, friends and family, which touched my heart because my husband mm-hmm. called me Sweet Pea as well. Aww. Um, there's just a lot of people that are sick and like to call in and say i did it i did it and this just kind of weeds out the the imposters Mm -hmm. so it was an open investigation and they wanted to keep what little information they had from becoming public knowledge the cause of linda's death remained a secret as the police working the case hoped to use That specific information in their investigation so like i mentioned before uh so people wouldn't claim that i killed her um and then they start rattling off well i shot her you know they'll instantly know that that's not the case and that that person is somebody that's just messing around Mm mm-hmm but Sergeant Jerry Buldakas, a spokesman for the department, stated that investigators ran into too many dead ends and hope that by revealing the way that she was murdered will prompt anyone with information on the homicide to call them. He further stated, It got to the point where we had, we haven't developed any suspect information. No one has admitted being with her in the weeks before the homicide. We're running into a bunch of dead ends. End quote. Oh no.
0: That's always the hardest thing for like family and friends to hear. Like we're at an like we're at an impasse. We're at a crossroads. We're at, you know, we're at a dead end, that sort of stuff. It's it's such a hard thing for people to hear because then they start to lose hope. And sometimes hope is really all that people have anymore with things like this
1: absolutely yeah i wouldn't ever want to hear all we have is dead ends um if somebody that i loved or any case really if i know them or not because that just like you said just leaves them hopeless Mm
0: -hmm.
1: investigators had high hopes that someone would come forward anonymously or not that would lead police towards her murder multiple dna samples were collected apparently there was a lot of dna left at the crime scene so they had a bunch of uh testable dna to go off of which is it doesn't happen often especially nowadays where you know people know of dna they tend to uh, you know, wear gloves and wear, wear everything to protect themselves so that they don't leave anything behind or they clean up really well afterwards. Um, back in the day, though, people didn't know that you can get traced down by your DNA. So people didn't care. Uh, and in this case, that's what happened. Yeah. The lab report indicated that all of the samples were identical and that the DNA that was extracted came from a single unknown male contributor, so they pinpointed it down to just one attacker. The DNA profile was entered into the casework index of the Wisconsin DNA Data Bank, the Wisconsin Convicted Felons Data Bank, and the National DNA Data Bank, so really just everywhere that they can put it into. Unfortunately, it did not receive a match. So that person was just not in the system. Retired investigator Steve Mitch was the lead investigator at the time and he interviewed countless witnesses, was but was never able to make an arrest. I just think that it's amazing that a woman was left strangled under a tree on someone's lawn. And no one had anything concrete to provide as far as information. I just don't understand how that could happen. Yeah, like the people who
0: lived in that house didn't even see anything?
1: No. And I'm thinking that it happened at night and the person walking the dog must have been in the morning is what I'm thinking. It didn't specify what the times were, but that's the only thing that's logical um, as far as people not seeing what happened Mm -hmm. the case was reassigned in 2005 and then again Mm -hmm. in 2012 the DNA of five suspects was compared with the unknown male DNA and all five were eventually eliminated as suspects well that's good no it's
0: not good just kidding
1: (laughs) I was like okay for those guys I guess
0: (laughs) no no that is not a good thing
1: (laughs) By March 2005, another wave of efforts were made and generating new leads and submitting samples for testing. A Mm -hmm. male DNA was identified on one of the items that was submitted for testing. Lo and behold, that little DNA sample was found to have the same DNA profile as the other that was found at the scene of the crime. So I want to fast forward to August 2020, a whole 15 years later and only three years ago. Chief R. Howell instructed the investigations unit to take another look at the Linda Field case. And I love that they do this because, well, at least some departments do. They go back and they're like, let's just take a look at this with brand new eyes. And I don't care if it's 15 years later, we're going to do this. Mm hmm later on the chief assigned investigator chris blackmore in september 2020 the review and continued the investigation i'm sorry in september 2020 to review and continue the investigation investigator blackmore was assisted by special agent neil mcgrath From the Wisconsin Department Justice Division of Criminal Investigations. And that is a freaking mouthful. Holy crap. (laughs) So things really started moving at this point. And to me, it's better late than never. I am glad that it finally picked up momentum, even if it took so long to do so. Mm hmm. In April 2021, investigator Blackmore was dedicated to finding answers. So he consulted the DCI special agent McGrath and FBI agent Sarah Demorin, oh, that is a hard last name. DeMoran and DNA analyst Natalie Fisher of the State of Wisconsin crime lab. He was just calling on all the big guns at this point. They're like, we're gonna get this done what you got to do yeah yeah i am all for calling in the big guns <laughs> dna analyst fisher determined that there was enough dna extracted to move forward with another type of analysis which was an investigative genetic genealogy so an IgG analysis okay Another great thing was that the Wisconsin Crime Lab could also move forward with familial search analysis. So if they couldn't pinpoint the actual person, it would be easier to pinpoint who the person was by narrowing down to a specific family Okay, and then like process of elimination after that. So like. This person wasn't born yet or this person would have been five or this person is 100 years old at that point, you know, so it just becomes way easier to to find the family and then work your way down from that. In May of 2021, the crime scene DNA evidence was sent to Othrim, and Othrim's scientists used forensic grade genome sequencing uh, their job would be to produce a comprehensive genealogical profile, which luckily they were able to do. So ding, 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 all that hard work. They were able to get some frickin' results.
0: It's about time,
1: right? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of cases don't end up like this. So I'm just uh, over the moon, really.
0: Yeah, I would be too if it was, like, if I was part of the family or... Like a close friend and there was finally something like a match on something anywhere. Like yeah. can you imagine the sense of like relief that they must feel knowing that they finally know like who did this?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I have no words for it. You know, I just it would it would be a whole new way to process the death because obviously you're you're focusing on well, who did it, who did it. And mm-hmm. maybe at that point, you start to focus on getting the justice and the the grieving part of it after that. Exactly. The profile was returned to the FBI, where the FBI's used the profile to perform the necessary genetic genealogy research to advance the investigation. This process was not yet done. With the help of Special Agent McGrath, it was determined that a male person of interest had a brother and a father that was still living. This was the answer that investigators desperately needed, so they devised a plan to collect a DNA sample from the brother. With the help of FBI agent Mark Dring, DNA was collected from the brother and submitted to the crime lab. The brother was eliminated as a potential suspect, so cross him off the list. And remember, anything you discard, like a used plastic cup, a cigarette, a napkin, could be picked up by the government for testing. Oh, which is sure. this? So, yeah, because as soon
0: as it hits the ground, it's technically considered public property, so mm-hmm. they can snag whatever they want as soon as it hits the ground because it's no longer theirs because they obviously threw it away
1: right yeah and I I feel like a lot of people don't understand that and they go well I didn't give them consent for that well you don't need it because it's garbage as soon as you said I'm throwing this away I'm I'm discarding this you're done with it and Mm -hmm. then it's basically public domain exactly but just last year in December of 2022 So basically, a year from now, the attention of investigators actually turned towards the father. Oh. Which was an aha moment in this case. And for me, when I was researching this as well, I was like, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) With the help of Lieutenant Paul Hayes of the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency State Bureau of Investigation... Special Agent McGrath determined that the father was residing in Birmingham, Alabama. Investigators developed a plan to collect DNA from the father in Alabama when they learned that the father had traveled to Zion, Illinois and was residing there. So ding, 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 that's super close (laughs) to where we are in Mm -hmm. uh, Racine. It's what? Well, I don't know Zion specifically, but I'm going to do the math right now.
0: Yeah, I'm horribly directionally challenged, so I could not tell you
1: where that is. Let's see. Zion from Racine, Wisconsin. That is a whopping 34 minutes away.
0: (laughs) Only 34 minutes?
1: Right. So it is definitely very probable that this person was the actual person a search warrant was eventually written to collect the father's dna and a away the investigators went they were just like we're gonna nail this guy mm-hmm. finally this year in february 2023 a dna sample was obtained from the father and sent to the lab for comparison In fact, this DNA was collected during a traffic stop the day before the anniversary of the homicide. Oh,
0: geez, Louise. Like. The coincidence of that, the
1: irony. I think it's past coincidence, and I think that is called synchronicity. You're not entirely forcing things to happen, but. Something happens and it's like, wow, the puzzle piece fits here, you know? Exactly. In early March 2023, the buccal swab from the father was determined to be the actual match to the DNA taken from Linda Fields. So it wasn't the brother of, you know, the suspected person or the actual suspected person, it was the father. Oh uh, which is just you know at first super confusing but now we nailed it down That's good. and the odds of the dna of a randomly selected person matching the dna collected from linda field are like one in quadrillion so there is no mistake in it this was their man and who was the despicable man who ended the life of an innocent woman who was regarded as a caregiver, a mother, a a wonderful and beautiful person in the community. The answer, 66-year-old Lucas Alonso of Zion, Illinois. On March 2nd, he was promptly arrested at his place of employment and brought in for questioning he was arrested and charged on first-degree homicide on March 8th, and he is currently held on a $1 billion bond. Oh, shit. They're not messing around with this guy. Oh, hell no, they're not. According to the criminal complaint, Lucas Alonso told police that he met Linda. Okay, I'm going to embrace everybody because the... I just hate this part like where the person describes what happened in their mind and their sick mind so um, here we go Uh so he met her at a bar and they later later had sex outdoors along mm-hmm. Lake Avenue he admitted to police that he strangled her multiple times but claims that she was alive when he left that night mm-hmm. so he claims that he beat her, strangled her, but that he left her alive and was just like, Peace out. I'm done, like, violating you and figure out what you're gonna do with yourself. Yeah. I'm sure. on my way. No, don't tell me that's what happened. I don't care what you say. If you violently strangle someone and then leave them on the side of the road without any movement, you know what you did.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like, don't be pretending like you don't know.
1: I know. Like, you already cop to doing that. I feel like saying that you left her alive is just a way to make yourself feel better. But really, you shouldn't. Now he will go through the justice system with a confession. Well, kind of a confession. That was a weak confession. And DNA working against him. If he had any sense and responsibility for his actions, he would plead guilty. But right now, he is assumed, um, you know, allegedly accused of this crime. So I guess right now, we can only say that he allegedly committed this crime until the verdict comes back. Mm -hmm. But I will definitely cover the end of the case once we are done with it. I'm sure it's going to go well into 2024 and I will do an update on how it all turns out, whether he is convicted or not. I'm really praying and hoping with everything within me that um, the justice system works in Linda Field's favor.
0: Yes, 100%. With cases that are still ongoing like this that have like the trial stuff still Mm. to come and everything like and then after hearing about them then you're just like oh I want to go follow what's happening now yeah so there's like I know there's a YouTube channel that has like very like they keep up to date with a lot of court things going on let me see if I can find the um the YouTube channel is court tv so they Tend to keep up on different court cases that are happening, especially with like um, like murder cases and everything. So right. I'm not entirely sure if that channel has any kind of following in there mm-hmm. with this case, but it's worth checking out just in case it is.
1: Absolutely. And like I said, I'm going to definitely cover the rest of this because I, I'm not done with this case Uh, I want to see it through, as I know everybody in Linda Field's life um, wants to see justice. So I don't foresee it going uh, in a in a bad way as far as not getting justice for her, because you can't dispute DNA like that's just like you're in for it after that if they got you on DNA.
0: Yep. There's no going back on that now.
1: Exactly. So that is the story of Linda Fields of Racine, Wisconsin, The Woman Under the Pine Tree.
0: Oh boy, that was, that was a heavy one. Thank you and good job for bringing that up. It's interesting that the last two episodes in a row we've had cases in Racine to go over, which kind of makes me wonder because my boss lives in Racine. So it's like, what kind of stuff do you see over there?
1: Yeah, and um, I'm not really familiar with Racine, but I feel like I've covered a lot of Racine uh, murders.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's quite a few of them.
1: Yeah, so I don't know what's going on with Racine, but we're keeping an eye on you. I hope you're <laughs> I I well. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to another episode of All the Sins Worldwide we hope that you enjoyed the wisconsin-based episodes that we just covered we were feeling that wisconsin love and wanted to you know uh share the light on these cases uh getting back to our roots because that's where we're from that's that's where we're from uh that's where well that's where we live that's how this whole podcast started so we wanted to pay tribute of course.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: So make sure to stay tuned for next week, Wednesday at 5.30 for a new release episode. And check out our Instagram and Facebook if you haven't yet to see the faces behind the cases. And we hope that you enjoyed it.
0: Yes, and we will see you all next week and have a happy holiday that will be coming up here soon.
1: Yeah, that's right. Happy holidays, everybody. Make sure that you take the time to be present in your life, be present with your family, and make sure that you are um, paying attention to your mental health. Because I know a lot of people get stressed out around the holidays. So make sure that you are showing up for yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And hug your loved
1: ones. Yes. All right. Bye, guys.
0: Bye. All the Sins Worldwide was written, recorded, edited, and produced by our co-hosts and creators, Jess and Mims. We truly want to thank our listeners, collaborators, friends, and family that continuously support us and for all the love we receive.
1: If you enjoy our show, please give us a global review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we're up to. And email us your Sinner Tales at allthesinsworldwide at gmail.com.
0: Episodes of All the Sins Worldwide are available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure to subscribe and like us on your favorite streaming platform.